as a youngster, he lacked so much physically. He lacked coordination. Uh, his motor skills were just, just real bad. Other, other youngsters learned to walk while he learned to crawl. And uh, while they were running, he was learning how to stumble. And in fact, it seemed like that in his early, early years, he was just filled with a whole lot of hurts and, and a bunch of blood. It's always tumbling, busting something open. Sunday school teacher one time carried him for a half mile while he bled after falling in the park. And she carried the, the little fella a long way, just blood all over her, all over her dress, and just hoping that he wouldn't bleed to death before she got help. And, and it, it just seemed like that was, that was just a part of, of his, uh, his life. And, and, and the doctors told those that loved him, said, now when he falls, if he's not bleeding, don't touch him. Said, if he falls, if he tumbles and crashes, if there's nothing hurt, don't touch him. Just, just, uh, if you have to leave the room, leave the room, but don't pick him up. Said, he's got to, got to get up by himself. And, uh, he'd, he'd, he'd wrestle and do his best. And finally, after, after, after a whole bunch of little lost campaigns, he'd be on his feet. Until he tumbled again. I, I watched him a long time. Uh, school, his lack of uh, coordination, his being spastic, uh, he could he could hardly write. And some somehow he just uh, he, he he developed a whole bunch of kinky little goofy habits. Uh, his parents bought him, I remember because I, I saw it, his parents bought him a, uh, a mechanical toy set called the Erector Set. But it uh, had a bunch of nuts and bolts and pieces. You build bridges and all that kind of stuff. And I, I remember one, one day, uh, it, 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 uh, it was laughable. He's sitting on the floor. And trying to build a bridge and trying to put a, a screw and a nut together and without warning his hand would, would, would flip or shake and it would flip the nut halfway across the room. He'd say, if you think you're going to get, you know, as if the other nut could understand. But said, if you think you're going to get away from me, you, you I'm going to get you. And I'm going to tighten you down and make your ears hurt. And, and he'd, he'd call out there and get it. And, and it's kind of the same way when he got a bicycle. His mama told him that he couldn't have one. And his daddy bought him one. And there was wisdom on both of their, their decisions. And couldn't hardly walk. But now, and I, I remember this. Because it, it was something to watch. He couldn't, you know, his stability was still bad for walking, but now he's going to ride a bicycle. He looked like a massive glob 
a bruised scar tissue. I mean, he, he was scraped and, and, and bruised and black and blue and green all over. Because he was trying to ride the bicycle and just, I mean, it, he, he fell. That, just, just everywhere, just tumbled. I heard the guy with my own ears on the, on, on the ending of one day. He parked the bike and said, I heard him, kind of kind of kooky, but I heard him. He said, you had your day. And said, tomorrow is my day. Said, I'll break you tomorrow. I'll ride you tomorrow. If, it, if, if I die, not before I die, I'm going to ride you tomorrow. You know, talking to a bicycle. I don't think the bike answered him. But he's talking to him. And the next day, it was just like the day before. And everybody holding their breath and hoping he, would, he wouldn't kill himself. And then he, he kind of disappeared. And, and after a while, here he come around the block. And he had the thing upright. He was as stiff as a board. He wouldn't look either direction. But he was on top. And he passed by the house and just kept on, just kept on going. Disappeared and come back a little bit. And when they come back the next time around, he had one hand and waved him with the other hand. And and and, and when the, when 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 they finally the flat ran out of gas, I mean he rode and rode and finally he parked the bike at the step, and I heard it. If he didn't get off the bicycle. And turn around and laugh like an idiot. <laughs> he just stood there and pointed his finger at the bicycle and laughed. He said, I told you, I told you. And the bike didn't say boo. <laughs> said, I, I told you I would. And if you don't think I can do it again, I'll get right back on you and do it again. I watched him for a long time. He got the Holy Ghost in the eighth grade. He was two years behind in school because of his problems. But he got the Holy Ghost in the eighth grade. And in his sophomore in high school, he, he began to feel a call on his life to preach. Made the mistake to, to, to verbalize or to tell of his call. And when, when he mentioned that he, he felt called to preach, people came out of the wall to explain to him all the reasons why it could not be. And they'd, they'd hug his neck and squeeze him and love him, and, and they really did. They really loved him. And they, they hugged him and, and just held him so close. And then they'd say, Son, I want to explain to you what you feel. See, what, what, what you feel is not a call to preach. You feel a call to win souls, to be a witness. But, but you, 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 you are not called to preach because you can't preach. You couldn't preach. Physically, you just, there's too many liabilities there. I mean, they, they just came... I mean, out of, uh, and, and I, I remember watching the whole process. They come from everywhere to tell the fellow that he, he, just, he just couldn't do it. 
He got involved in a rehabilitation scholarship. He qualified for a college scholarship because he was handicapped. He was crippled. And uh, the counselor for the scholarship, his name was Landry, and they worked together real uh, hard for quite a while, testing all kind of stuff. And I'll never forget because I heard it. I never forget. Mr. Landry told the boys, said, son, you qualify for everything we got to offer you can have. He said, economically, you get a certain amount if the family needs help. And then, by virtue of your being crippled, there is a certain amount you get. And then he said, based on testing, you qualify for different kinds of, uh, of grants or helps. And he said, you, you got the whole bag. Said you, you, you just name wherever you want to go, and we'll foot the bill. Room, board, tuition, you name it, you got it. Just tell me what you want to do, and where you want to go. And I heard the guy. I never forget <laughs> the young, the young, the young man said, "Well, he said I, uh, I want to, I want to go to PBI." And this man up to his ears in the education system. He said, you want to go to PB who? And, and, and the fellow, fellow was kind of thinking on his feet, afraid he'd lose the money. And he, 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 he kind of bluffed and he said, you mean to tell me you are an educator and you've never heard of PBI? He said, oh yes, PBI. He said, what do, you, what do you want to major? What do you want to study? He said, uh, Mr. Landry, uh, and uh, I'll never forget it. He said, Mr. Landry, I want to be a preacher. And when, when, when the kid said preacher, Landry popped the top of his head and said, oh, no. He said, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you. He said, no way could you be a preacher. Why would anyone want to be a preacher? And most of all, why would you want to be a preacher? Said so there is no way, there's no way you don't have it. Physically, you can't, your, your speech, your, there's just no way you could not do it. Choose something you can do. Now, now, what do you want to do? Said, I want to be a preacher. And, and I, I, I watched that tug of war back and forth. Finally, he went into his inner office and forgot to close the door. And he was overheard saying, he said, believe it or not, we are about to educate the Pentecostal preacher. He said, the God just will not go any other way. When, when, he, when he got the PBI, he was a grown man. But he still could not physically, he could not button the top button in his shirt. He had problems tying a tie. Timid, shy, just just an absolute introvert. He shaved in his room. He did not go to the, to the common mall, you know, to the, to the common laboratory and shave with the other guys. He was too shy, because to shave, he had to get in all kind of awkward positions. 
friends would sneak bowls of water to his room. And he'd, uh, in, in the privacy of his own room, he'd shave, and, and then somebody would button his button, and somebody tie his tie. And, and he always cuffed his sleeves because he couldn't button his cuff buttons. But, but somehow, at the end of the year, without taking notes, he still passed. At the end of the second year, he still passed and, and took home with him a bride. the end of the third year, he graduated, went home, and waited six months and unto them a son was given. And then when, when the youngster was six months old, they began to evangelize. And I watched it. It was just absolutely ridiculous. He would, uh, he would, he would approach pastors and ask them, uh, would, would, would you use me for, for a week or two weeks? And, 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 and uh, every now and then, some pastor would say yes. And then the longer they would talk together, you could see on the face of the pastor a big question mark. Kind of like, hey, I wonder, I wonder if this guy could, if he could be understood. And, and, and many times he would, he would schedule the pastor. pastor would say, oh, yes, come and, you know, come and be happy to have you. And then before he could get away, the pastor changed his mind. You know, kind of like he'd remember, oh, I forgot Christmas is in December this year. <laughs> and, and before he could, he could sign him up and get away, he'd lose it. And, and it, it uh, just, uh, one, one night in a place close to Alexander, Louisiana, it, 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 wouldn't, it was less than a narrow spot in the road. I mean, it was, the church was almost nothing. The town was nothing. I mean, just a little handful of people. And uh, that night, I, I wondered, when I, when I watched what happened, I wondered, why would anybody want to preach that bad? But for the sake of an offering, the pastor and his wife got into a contest to, so that, so that they could raise a, a better offering. The pastor took the offering one night for the evangelist, and his wife took the offering the next night for the evangelist's wife. I'll never forget what happened that night. But she, she walked to the, to the pulpit, and she just kind of stood there, and she looked at the evangelist. Just, just looked at him. And, and the longer she looked, all of his spasticity went into action. He got tighter and tighter, and he didn't know where to put his own. And she finally said, she says, would you look at this? And the whole place got the gawking. And I remember thinking, would anybody in their right mind take all this just to preach? She said, we... We, we, we owe this good woman a good offering because look at what she married. And the guy, his, his leg got all twisted and his arm got all tight. And said, said for her courage, said she didn't know if she'd eat next week. 
said, we, we, need to, we need to give her a good offering because she is a courageous lady. She probably is. But, but I, I, thought, I thought that night, you know, would, you know. Years past, Sunday school convention in Missouri, district-wide Sunday school convention. And this fellow was still kind of holding on, just, just, just still kind of preaching. And in fact, he was the ninth speaker for the Missouri District Sunday School Convention. And the first, the Holy Ghost fell in the choir uh, singing. And I mean, people were shouting and, and running and worshiping. Everybody on their feet. It was all saying, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I heard to God with my own ears. If he didn't get up in the midst of that eruption of worship, he got up and screamed at the top of his voice. And he screamed for a man named Landry. He said, Landry! They all saying, Jesus! He said, Landry! Nobody heard him. I mean, it's too noisy. And he's he screaming, Landry. That's, that's the guy that popped his head. The second time he said, Landry, are you here? And they're all doing their thing, and he's doing his too. The third time he said, Landry, I wish you were here. Just said, if you were here, you would get to see what we can do. And I wonder who, who you mean we. He said, I wish you was here so you could get to see what me and the grace of God fits in the do tonight. I heard the young man say it with my own ears. I'm looking around, but Landry wasn't there. And, and by now, by now, he's, he's been preaching 31 years. The last, last few years, they, they sold 45,000 copies of messages that he, that he preached. <laughs> uh, in fact, you know, he, he, he is back at the same school. And and he's not sneaking down the hall, but he's he's looking for sneakers now. <laughs> and and involved uh, of all things, involved in teaching young men how to gather material and arrange material to preach a sermon. He's got a son, twenty six years old, that that. Uh, uh, beginning to preach, and his son told him just about three or four weeks ago, three weeks ago, in the car together, 26 years old, and he told his dad, he said, Dad, I got the bug. And his dad said, what do you mean, son, you got the flu? He said, no, you know what bug I mean. I said, no, you tell me what bug you mean. He said, Dad, I got, I got the preaching bug. I, I just, I just, I just want to preach. And in fact, I, I, I happen to know, I happen to know the, uh, the man's itinerary. And if I remember right, he's preaching this weekend. And he's in the big city of Houston. 
And he's preaching for Jimbo's daddy. Amen. What do you mean? I'll tell you what I mean. What I mean is you be surprised what you can do. You be surprised what you can do if you really want to. You've got to have a want to. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But, but, but you see, you see, but I, you, you, you don't know my husband, or you don't know my wife, or you don't know how it is where I work and all my job. And, and if you just knew how, listen, it, it, it don't matter who you are, where you are, if you are in the will of God, and if your desire is pleasing to God, you be surprised, you be amazed what you can gain in Him if you just simply state, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. A prayer life, you can have a prayer life if you want a prayer life. A good witness, you can be a fantastic Witnesser, if you want to be a fantastic witnesser, you can preach. I don't care if you got problems physically. If God calls you to preach, your man, it don't matter what you got to offer him. What really matters is what he has to offer you. If you want to, you can do it. If you have a want to, if you have a want to, I still want to, I still want to. Why? That's because I want to, that's all. Brother, Brother Kilgore called me yesterday and talked to me in the Kettle restaurant. And I, I've been preaching a long time. And, and, and still, when he... He asked me if I could stay over and preach. I'll I, I, I have to admit to you, it, 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 I kind of tingled all over. Just, just to think that, that somebody wants to give me a chance to preach. <laughs> I still want to. Still want to. Eight years ago in January, eight years ago this coming January, I was playing racquetball so I wouldn't have a heart attack. Staying in shape, jogging every day, playing racquetball three times a week because I was 41 years old, did not want to have any kind of heart problems. And I'm, I'm on the court playing ball, and I hit the ball, and something hit me. And I thought I was just out of shape. So I left the court, walked around with this real real bad heat. I left the court and walked around outside and it kinda went away and I figured, well I I just gotta work my way through this. Went back inside, I said, Okay, I'm ready. And the surface served and I hit it and when I did, I mean it hit me. And my arms went numb, and I mean just pow. 
and I had sense enough to know what it was the second time. I left the court and left but on a plane. I left the court. I walked two blocks, staggering. I just, I just, I hurt. I didn't want to scare my wife and call her from the hospital, so I got in the car and drove home. And I hurt so bad I had my head on the back of the seat trying to release the pressure or something. Drove all the way home, got out the car, walked in the house, and my wife's in the shower. And I said, honey, I don't wanna I don't wanna don't wanna frighten you, but I said, I'm going to the hospital and I thought thought maybe you'd go with me. I need you. She took one look at me and she come out of the shower to get ready and I left her. While she got dressed, I walked to the car, sitting in the car blowing the horn. Beep, beep, beep. She come running. I drove to the hospital, got out the car, walked in the hospital and found a nurse. And excused myself, tapped her on the shoulder and said, I'm sorry, but I said, I need help bad. I said, I am right now, I am right now having a heart attack. And they grabbed me up and scooted me off. And in no time, man, I had all kind of help. People everywhere. Children coming, church folk coming. And then they, then they, they moved me from the emergency area into ICU. And, oh, I was, I was furious. And the pain was making me think foolish. Medication was making me... Already I felt kind of depressed and despondent. And, and they're moving me from emergency to ICU. And as we moved out, with my peripheral vision, I could not, you know, laying flat, I couldn't see my wife. And I, I said, would you, would you please stop where you are? Just, just stop. And I just kept on pushing the bed towards the, the area where I needed to be. I said, please, would you, would you just wait? I couldn't, I couldn't see my wife. I said, please, would you, would you wait? They kept on pushing. And a big old boy there from the church, big guy, he just reached out and grabbed him. I said, the pastor said, wait. Doctors, nurses, the whole thing, just stopped. I said, where's my wife? And I, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. I was scared, I was hurting, and I was measuring. I didn't know if there'd be a future, how long it'd be. I didn't know that they had told my family already that I would not be alive the next day. So where, where's my wife? And she said, here I am. I said, I don't want to go one, I don't want to go one more foot without you promising me one thing. And she was a of course, upset. She said, you, you, you name it, I'll do it. What, what is it? And I was serious. I said, I want you to watch this bunch. Don't take your eyes off this bunch. Look at the doctors. I said, watch them. Don't let them give me anything in my arms early. The preacher. And my wife smiled like, you know, you big idiot. I said, don't smile. And she realized that in, in, in the state I was in, I was serious. 
I said, don't laugh at me. I'm serious. I said, don't let them probe around in there somewhere and give me years, but without a preacher. I said, watch them. Don't, don't let them get my preacher. She said, I'll pledge to you, I'll watch them. I said, okay, let's go. Every other family group that had someone in ICU, they got to go in every three hours for 15 minutes. Not me. I had my wife 24 hours a day. She had to sneak to go to the bathroom. And I was all crazy in my thinking. I heard from 4 o'clock to 9.30 that night, I just, I just hate. But I was so afraid that somebody might, might, might squeeze you out, push out some kind of way. And get my preacher. And I fooled the whole bunch. I lived. Had, had preachers calling my wife. Had preachers calling my wife. And, and, and she thought, you know, calling the encourager. Then, then, they, then they asked her, who should they contact for the church? She said, well, contact the pastor. I wasn't dead. I'm, I'm not dead yet. But but they moved me from the ICU to to a, a room and another room and finally I got in a room with no monitors just 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 uh, just a regular you know million dollar day room just you know. <laughs> and and I'm 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 laying there and I'm still wondering did I lose it did somebody get it and I asked the nurse I said nurse if you don't mind would you would you just close the door? Just, just me, just me. And the palms of my hand got sweaty. I was, I was scared. I was gonna, I was gonna probe around and find out if I could, if it was still there. And I'm telling myself up here one thing, back here something else. Back here saying do it. Up here saying now listen, now you've been a sick boy. And if you, if you, if you. You can't find it today. That don't mean it's not there. You know, just, oh, man, I had all kind of psychological battles. And, and I said, okay, here we go. And I'm just, just laying on the bed. And uh, Jesse had a whole bunch of boys. And I just started telling the story of David and Goliath. Couldn't be more basic. Kind of digging around, trying to see if I had it. And I said, and Goliath growled like a dog. And a little boy come out there, passed over brook and 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 went to picking out some stones and and the water was rippling over the stones. When I said ripple, I felt something ripple. <laughs> Made the altar call right there. Didn't go any further. I, I said I got it. I got it. I got it. But see that's. That's my story. That's my story. Thank you for your clapper, but that's mine. Ah, I got it. Everybody here, you ought to have a got it story to tell. You can get it if you want it. And if you have a want to, you get it. But you have to have a want to.